It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined by the great Kate Maju. Kate, we made it to week one, Woo-hoo! the offseason. It always feels like forever. I'm, I'm very ready to get the season going. How about you? I'm so ready. Let's rip this Band-Aid off. Now, I, I will say, uh, totally devastated, saying my prayers uh, for uh, the potential, uh, you know, maybe sitting out Travis Kelsey, who knows. Yeah. Uh, hopefully if he is out, it's not a long, long-term injury. Um, but I, I feel like this is still like Patrick Mahomes is the best way to open up any NFL season ever. Cause you know, whoever's catching the balls, like he's going to do some ridiculous stuff. That's going to set the tone for the 2023 NFL season yeah. fantasy football. Let's kick it off. Cause we've got a full <laughs> game slate to talk about. And I'm so excited, John, so excited. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I'm excited to get the season started. I'm looking forward to setting like 30 something lineups every week and combing through just as many waiver wires. But that that's the beauty of the fantasy season, right, is, is grinding through all these lineups to get them into optimum form and, and you know, um, basically staying on top of this stuff, because that gives you an advantage in, in all of your leagues as well as staying on top of the waiver wire and staying active. And that's what we're here for as well is, is to get all the best information out there so that everyone can stay on top of these things like waiver wire targets, start sits, matchups to target and avoid all that fun stuff. Um, and it is supposed to be fun after all. So this should be another great season. I'm looking forward to getting into it here. Uh, but before we do, I want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. The most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right. 
Let's get it going here. Start things off with the game you mentioned, the Chiefs, the Lions. This is the kickoff. We're a few short hours away. Depending on when you're listening to this, it may have already happened. So we'll we'll see if any of our predictions came true. But either way, let's start with our predictions for this one. Kate, Chiefs, Lions, what do the people need to know for this game? I, you know, I, I think that we've seen, you know, some decent line movement in this game. Uh, Chiefs started off at six and a half point favorites. Uh, heading into game, like just hours out from the game, obviously we don't have official news on Travis Kelsey, but uh, Chiefs are down to four point favorites, which uh, we're seeing some money coming in on the Lions. I think people are starting to to grasp onto this idea that Patrick Mahomes can't overcome with Travis Kelsey off the field. Um, you know, I, I've seen some interesting notes uh, about you know the potential that you know maybe we see Travis Kelsey suit up, not play so many reps, but. I think the biggest question for fantasy football managers heading into week one is if you have Travis Kelsey and he's active, do you trust him in your fantasy football lineup, Sean? I mean, I I'm probably playing him. I just, I just feel like it's hard to imagine that they would play him or make him active if he wasn't capable of contributing, right? Like why risk it for week one otherwise? So I think if he's active, you kind of have to play him. It's, it's it's risky for sure, maybe you know re-injury or, or whatever, but there's no real replacement for Kelsey. So you're aiming for the high end, you know, tight end one upside anyways. So worst case, you get a goose egg, which is is a is a lot of the possibility with with most tight ends anyway. So yes. um yeah, I think I think you play him. That is that's my exact thought process here for Travis Kelsey. Like no matter who you pull off the bench, whether it be, you know, Noah Gray as like the sort of direct replacement or one of these other waiver wire tight ends, there's always going to be inherent risk that tight end position so volatile to begin with that like Travis Kelsey, he might give you some of that same volatility. If he is on the field and active though, I have to imagine they're going to use him. You know, he's not going to be an every down tight end. We'll probably see a little bit from more from Noah Gray this game, but I think it's going to be in these critical situations that they would be to, you know, employ Travis Kelsey in the red zone. Like, I I think these would be the situations, those very valuable uh, scenarios for tight ends. Uh, Like, I I think those are the situations in which they would utilize Travis Kelsey the heaviest. So I do think that, um, you know, if he's active, you have to, you absolutely have to start him. I don't think he carries that much more risk as long as he's active than most other options. Um, Are you, you know, tempering any expectations for Patrick Mahomes in this game, knowing that, uh, you know, we, we have an injury to, to Travis Kelsey, his favorite target. There's not a ton of depth at receiver. Are you fading Patrick Mahomes? And is there any wide receiver here that you're looking to step up here in week one with the knowledge that we might not see much from Travis Kelsey, if anything? Yeah, I, I'm definitely not fading Patrick Mahomes. I just find like that's it's just not a great process. He he's proven people wrong <laughs> too many times at this point. Like people were fading him a little bit last year because he wasn't going to have Tyreek Hill, and all he did was win regular season MVP, a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl MVP, okay. lead the league in passing yards, all that fun stuff. So yeah. it's it's really hard to kind of fade Patrick Mahomes, and even that that four point line, I, I'd feel still pretty good about that for the Chiefs, um, especially at home too. So. Wide receiver wise, I mean, you know, Kadarius Tony coming off injury maybe gets worked in there a little bit, but I'm not trusting him week one. Sky Moore, somewhat interesting, I think, but 
it's it's so hard. These guys are. I I was looking at Nate's rankings to see what he what he thought of the the Chiefs wide receivers too, and and Sky Moore's the the highest ranked one, and it's wide receiver thirty eight. So this isn't a situation where you're playing any of these guys in most leagues. You know, deeper leagues you could take a shot on somebody, but. It's just, it's still hard to imagine that one of these guys, until we see the usage, I'm, I'm I'm in wait and see mode for this Chiefs wide receiver core. I think that's totally fair. Now, this is going to be a banger. Anything that we should note on the Lions side of the ball, obviously we're going to be watching rookie Jameer Gibbs. Um, I think the one thing that I'm going to be watching closely is the workload for David Montgomery, which I, I have this sneaking suspicion based on the fact that they're like basically inventing a whole new position for Jameer Gibbs to play that we might actually see a bigger chunk of the rushing work for David Montgomery this season than we had originally projected. Um, That's what I'm going to be paying the closest attention to. Also want to see how this team looks, Uh, you know, obviously this is a season opener, but want to see how this team performs on the road. We saw Jared Goff absolutely struggle on the Mm -hmm. road in 2022. The bulk of his passing touchdowns all came at home, like a significant chunk. I think, you know, this there's going to be a lot to watch with this Lions Lions offense, but David Montgomery is probably the sneakiest guy that we could watch on that side of the ball. Yeah, I like that call. I think it makes sense yet because look, we we want to know what that usage is, anyways. I know we're a lot of us are very high on Jameer Gibbs. I think Nate has him as RB fifteen for this week as well. David Montgomery at RB twenty three, looking at the rankings right now, and look, there's potential for both of these guys to mix in there. It's just, I I think. You know, look for me, the one that stands out, if we're looking for like maybe a potential streaming tight end option, if Travis Kelsey can't go, maybe within this game, Sam Laporta could be kind of interesting. The Chiefs were above average in fantasy points allowed to the tight end position last year. And I I think he could be in for a decent start. Um, You know, as much as a a run heavy team that the Lions were last year, they're more than likely going to have to pass to stay in this game against Mahomes and company. So I'd feel pretty good about Sam Laporta this week if I had to as well and, and I think Nate had him as tight end 12 too but any interest in starting Sam Laporta if you if you have him I think he is probably as good as as any other dart throw um mm-hmm. but you know at least there should be I think a decent amount of opportunity in this game especially with the fact that Jamison Williams is out as you know Marvin Jones how much can we expect him to contribute he's going into his like age 75 season like something <laughs> yeah, something around there Um, you know, it's going to be a Monroe St. Brown. It's going to be Jameer Gibbs. And I think if you're going to pencil somebody in for some, uh, you know, a a chunk of that workload as a receiver, I I think Sam Laporte is probably the best bet. Um, you know, speaking of, of passing, uh, I feel like we should talk about, um, you know, a, a certain Cardinals passing quarterback who may or may not be the starting quarterback, uh, Jonathan Gannon, uh, Arizona Cardinals head coach has been keeping this close to the vest all week long. Um, saying like, there's no way you're going to know who my starting quarterback is. So <laughs> Sunday, we kick off the slate. We've got the Arizona Cardinals at the Washington Commanders. Um, it sounds like Josh Dobbs going to get the start here, opening up the season on the road against the Commanders, who I think are one of the most underrated defenses heading into the 2023 season. You've got like Chase Young, who's going to, probably demolish whichever starting quarterback actually officially gets the start. Um, is there anything on like literally any player that you would start from the Arizona Cardinals roster as a flex play, which oh, basically that, that question is, can you start 
running back James Connor, or can you start wide receiver Marquise Brown? Yeah, I, I think it's James Conner for me. That's probably the only one. Marquise Brown dealing with a hammy as well. So just not a lot of confidence there for, for the Arizona offense. I mean, Josh Dobbs. Yeah, like I just that that just kind of kills everything for me for, for Arizona. But somehow this game, like I'm still I still feel like unreasonably excited about this game, which is going to seem really nerdy because I don't think anybody cares about this game. But mostly because it's just a great matchup for like this new look like commander's offense. Right. And Sam Howell to to start the season off on the right foot here. We've talked a ton about Sam Howell this offseason. I've written about him probably way more than I should have in the past few weeks. But I'm I'm ready to mute myself if I speak one more (laughs) word about Sam Howell, because this is. I've gone too far. I've gone, I've gone way too far, but like there is this palpable excitement. I don't know whether it's, it's like this new ownership, the Dan Snyder era is over. It feels like the energy in this building is different, but a big part of that starts with quarterback, Sam Howell, who I will note was named an offensive captain here for the Washington commanders uh, in his first year starting, which, um, I don't know, a, a sign love of the captain's patch. We love it. Yeah, <laughs> He's going to look good with that captain's patch. Yeah. And you know what he's going to look doing good doing. Uh, he's going to look good throwing all over the Arizona Cardinals. This okay. is going to be, I, I think, a free for all uh, for the commanders. I think that we're going to see a very good Sam Howell day. Uh, I have him projected as QB 12 on the week. Uh, yes, that's right. A quarterback one performance from the fifth round, second quarterback, um, you know, Terry McLaurin, I'm not sure. Do you think we're going to see him in this game? Yeah. So that was the one like big question mark. I, I, I would be concerned about McLaurin this week. I know he's questionable still with that toe injury, but I I wrote about this in, in the offensive line, defensive line uh, matchup article coming out uh, on Friday morning. So the one player that I think really stands out is Jahan Dotson. Um, for me, I, I love Jahan Dotson this week. So just looking at the Arizona Cardinals as a defense, they were a bottom 10 team in pass rush grade last season, and they may arguably be even worse this season after losing JJ Watt and Zach Allen, who were their top two defensive linemen in pass rush grade. Um, and then, you know, the commander's offensive line, it is what it is. It's not amazing, but it's a, at least a good matchup for them still. So definitely still in on Sam Howell. And I know Nick wrote him up as a quarterback streamer of the week as well. So, but Josh Dotson really is the top guy for me. He, again, immediately became Sam Howell's top target once McLaurin left last preseason game with the starters. I think that bodes well for their connection in week one. Even if McLaurin does play, I don't know if he'll be 100%. Um and then you're looking at Sam Howell as a starter. So from week 18 last year, during the preseason this year, Dotson did see the highest target rate at 24.4% among the team's wide receivers when there was no pressure on the play. So that's even when Terry McLaurin was in the lineup. So pretty high on him. There's no receiving props up yet for on DraftKings for, for the commanders last I checked, which uh, is probably because of Terry McLaurin, which would swing things a lot in, in either way, but Dotson, somebody that I'm in on, I think he's $6,100 on, on FanDuel DFS this week as well. So decent price for him. And um, yeah, love me some, some uh, Jahan Dotson this week. And uh, yeah, I think uh, this is, this is the matchup for the commanders to kind of take advantage of. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting, uh, interesting spot. Now, uh, on you know the the running back side of things for the Commanders, kind of an interesting spot, I think, because 
uh, you know, say the the commanders do get out to a decent lead, they might run the clock out a little bit, which might mm-hmm. mean we see a decent amount of work, especially for Brian Robinson Jr. We've seen, uh, you know, sort of a, a greater focus on uh, Antonio Gibson as the receiving back in this backfield. Um, so I would not be surprised at all if we see Brian Robinson Jr. get a, a decent amount of work, especially in the second half here. Uh, if things get off to to a good start. So I, I think, you know, most commanders on the board here, you know, it, are are a full go for me. Avoiding Terry McLaurin at all costs, mm-hmm. even if he is active, just due to some of those concerns about uh, efficiency and, and whether or not he's going, you know, I, I think even if he's active, definitely not going to be near 100%. Uh, but I do think that that Terry McLaurin being at least a threat there on the field is only a good thing for Jahan Dotson and that Sam Howell connection. I don't know. What do we say? Like, uh, you know, Sam Howell, um, I don't know, like 300 passing yards, three touchdowns. And I want all of them to go to Jahan Dotson in week one. That would be, that would be amazing. We breathe it be... into existence, please. <laughs> yeah. Let's get that going there. That would be an absolute fire start to the season for, for Washington. They'd be pretty excited. We'd be very excited too. So um, that should be an interesting game. Uh, another interesting one here, as we get a few new faces in this game, the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, CJ Stroud going to be the starter here for Houston. We got Baltimore's kind of new, more pass heavy offense, potentially um, who, anybody in this game that you're looking to, to target specifically. I got to say for the, the Houston Texans, what a brutal way to open up the season on yeah. the road against the Baltimore Ravens defense. Um, I think especially in the preseason, we saw that this this Ravens defense looks um, plenty deep and, and it, it doesn't really matter who they have on the field. I, I do think they're they're outmatched. Now, I do think uh, the the most interesting question here it comes actually on the Ravens side of the ball. So last year, Houston Texans were like the matchup to to stream against when it comes to the running back position. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins started this preseason out on the pup list, uh, has since been removed, was practicing. Uh, you've got Gus Edwards. Now, are you projecting that this is going to be, you know, the, the same sort of, uh, you know, struggle against the run that we saw in 2022? Because I do think the the addition of Will Anderson here it graded out very highly as a run defender throughout his collegiate career. Um, I think that he might be a, a little bit of a difference maker. I don't project the Texans to be as big of a, a pushover mm-hmm. as they were in the 2022 season, but I'm curious to get your thoughts because generally speaking, I think consensus rankings have these, the, you know, JK Dobbins, especially, but um, very high in the, the Baltimore Ravens run game based on what we saw last year. But I wouldn't be surprised if things tighten up a little bit. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's still like a positive matchup, but I don't think it's as good as it was last year, right? Like Texans were, I think, 31st in run defense grade for us last year. And I I do think the addition of like D'Amico Ryan's coming in as the head coach, he's more of like a defensive minded um, coach. And and I think he'll be able to get those guys right. Will Anderson, you're right, does make a difference. But they also upgraded their linebackers too. They brought in Denzel Perriman, who's 
been a very good run defender um, at the linebacker position where they were not good in that regard last year. Like they were abysmal among their linebacker core. So those little things like that do make a difference. And, and I think potentially upgrade that defense a little bit. Um, I still don't think they're, they're going to be great, but it's, they're not going to be as much of a pushover, like you said, as, as last year, at least, especially with D'Amico Ryan's coming in and potentially getting these guys right. But um, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you you know, JK Dobbins still should be a decent play. I think Lamar Jackson for sure. Um, I mean, we're not benching Lamar Jackson anyways, but uh, it's, it's do not recommend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, the Texans, they weren't great in, in coverage last year as well. I think they were bottom six team in coverage great as well so they need to get better um i think they put some pieces in place there to potentially get better so we'll see if that works for them but um other than that i mean i do want to see how the wide receiver room shakes out i'm kind of in wait and see mode for really both wide receivers um wide receiver cores either team houston and baltimore to kind of see who emerges there and who has the decent roles um so i'm not really looking to start any of those guys but Damian Pierce for the Texans is somebody that I would still start, even though it's not a great matchup, right? The the Ravens were one of the best run defense teams in the league last season. So not a great way to start the season if you're Damian Pierce, but um, I, I think there's still, you know, room for him to start in most leagues. I just probably wouldn't be targeting him in like DFS or anything like that. I do think that's fair. Um, the one, the one kind of consideration I have, and especially watching this closely with Damian Pierce, um, you know, the the Texans ten point underdogs in this matchup, which should provide a positive game script for the passing game. Um, you know, we saw throughout the preseason that that Damian Pierce was involved on you know third down plays when C.J. Stroud was in the lineup. If that continues, like that's a huge flip from what yeah. we saw in twenty twenty two. So if that continues. We could see, despite, you know, a, a potential inefficiency in terms of uh, Damian Pierce and his rushing production might get some of that, that, you know, plus narrative in terms of, of potential for receiving work. So something else to watch pretty closely, but, you know, I, I'm sick of talking about, you know, the Texans, the Baltimore Ravens who are, um, you know, obviously rivals to me a Pittsburgh Steelers fan I think we should just move on and talk about like I don't know a pretty cool team like the Pittsburgh Steelers uh who are hosting the San Francisco 49ers who uh, you know now have Nick Bosa back in the building sign a record-breaking contract extension like this defense is loaded you have Fred Warner one of the best off the ball linebackers in the league you've got you know Nick Bosa just on his own, I think is probably the scariest, uh, you know, defender. It, this is just going to be such an interesting matchup because there's a lot, I think, left to prove on the Steelers offense. You know, we already know that there's a lot of, of, you know, upside here on this, this defense, the 49ers defense like this, you have two of the league's best defenses. You've got a really talented offense for the 49ers. You've got an offense that looks to be trending up here for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, which of these units is going to win out and it not necessarily like, is it going to be a defensive game? Is it going to be an offensive game? I'm kind of leaning towards the defense here. Cause mm-hmm. I think those are, those are definitely the standout units on both teams. Um, I could predict this being a, just a generally kind of low scoring matchup over unders just installed at 41 points. One of the lower over unders in the league. Um, to start the the week one slate, I 
not looking to start Najee Harris. I, I think the the Steelers wide receiver is kind of a fine play. I don't think there's, um, you know, I, I think if if you, you're going to be concerned about the 49ers in coverage, it's probably going to be over the middle of the field. Um, so kind of fading Pat Fryermuth here, but I don't I don't have a lot of faith in in the Steelers side of the ball here when it comes to offense, even if they do pull out a win. Um, but I, I help me, help me navigate this, <laughs> this matchup here. Cause I am, am I, you know, being a, a naysayer, like, am, am I overthinking this as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? I, no, I no, I, I, I had the exact same thing. I, I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for both these teams. They're both really good defenses. Like you said, I mean, and then you got George Kittle's questionable with a groin injury as well. So we're, we're losing some top tight end options here, potentially this week already, which sucks. Um, And, and another guy that you're not going to find like a one for one replacement for on the waiver wire. So hopefully he'll plays he'll play. Otherwise we're going to be looking for streaming options, but yeah, like Ayuk, Debo, Christian McCaffrey, even, like you're playing them most likely, but you're not excited about them. The Steelers defense, it, it's legit again, right? Like TJ Watt is healthy. Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward on the defensive line. They made some improvements at linebacker as well. They brought in Cole Holcomb. Um, the corners are interesting. Patrick Peterson, Desmond King, potentially Joey Porter Jr. Uh, obviously make a pick Fitzpatrick at safety too. So there's, there's potential for this to once again, be one of the better defenses in the entire league. So Brock Purdy's probably the player that I'm most concerned for uh, in this game. You know, he's never faced the Steelers defense before still very much like an unproven quarterback. Quarterback. So that has me probably slightly worried about the rest of the 49ers offense as well, even though it's hard not to start Christian McCaffrey, but Nate has him as, as, as RB five this week. So he, he's down on him from, from his normal spot as well. So, um, and then yeah, 49ers are on the Steelers offense, right? Again, just tough sledding. It, it maybe if Nick Bosa wasn't playing, it would be nicer, but that, that massive contract ends his holdout. So he's back in there. They got Javon Hargrave as well this season, as well as like you said, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. But man, all this if I if you go to the wide receiver cornerback um, matchup tool on pff.com, all of those Steelers wide receivers are listing as are listed as having poor or below average matchups in that tool. Deontay Johnson has the lowest score. He's going to be going up against Traverius Ward, most likely, who earned the 12th best coverage grade among cornerbacks last season. I think Nate has them all ranked wide receiver 29 and later, which makes sense given the matchup here. So, yeah, you're you're, you're starting probably a good number of these guys, but it's I wouldn't be setting expectations very high for them. This is one of those matchups in the week that, like you said, you're probably going to have, um, you know, not a ton of options in terms of like guys that you're starting over, you know, a, a Debo Samuel, a Christian McCaffrey, et cetera. But you're probably going to temper expectations a little bit. And what I usually, you know, recommend in those situations when you have a guy that like you're starting him, he's one of your studs but you're not expecting a whole ton is kind of counteracting that with some more high upside plays in the rest of your lineups. Um, you know, whether that be like, you know, a, a high upside wide receiver, that's maybe a little bit more volatile, but has a pretty nice ceiling in your flex. Like those are the kind of, of plays that I look to make when I have, you know, a high investment in, you know, a, a matchup that generally doesn't predict as like a, a very productive one for fantasy football. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. And I, I like the strategy there for sure. It's kind of, you know, we, we, we're we going to grin and bear it with these these starters, but you could definitely try to make up some of that that loss a little bit in, in other spots of the lineup. So um, before we keep going, uh, we got also have to give a shout out to our friends at DraftKings. Uh, can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, well, good thing that's over. NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. That's code PFF only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777. Visit cpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see dkng.co slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply all right carolina panthers at the atlanta falcons um b john robinson will, will finally get his first nfl regular season carry in this game which means we can acknowledge his existence and rank rank him accordingly um you know the panthers are or at were at least actually kind of solid against the run last year we'll see if brian burns plays in this game to help that d-line because i think that does make a difference he's potentially holding out as well uh, but they have other quality starters on that defense that could support their run d um, but i still do think atlanta has the advantage here um, in the run game just maybe not nearly as big but how about you we, we start at Bijan, but does anybody else kind of catch your eye here I think this is going to be an interesting uh, kind of situation on both sides of the ball. So, you know, for the Atlanta Falcons, I do think they have the edge, you know, especially in terms of offensive personnel, uh, you know, even with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, just mm -hmm. such a stellar, you know, skill player position group like this. This is one of the best in the league, um, you know, between you know, Drake London between Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, even the depth at running back. This is just this is such a talented offense, right? You add Bijan Robinson, that just lights the whole thing on fire. What I'm going to be watching on the the Falcon side of the ball is definitely going to be um, distribution target share. I also want to see Kyle Pitts's you know participation route, um, how much mm -hmm. he's being targeted on those routes. Because uh, I, I think that's still something that we kind of have left to be answered. I feel like uh, generally the the momentum has kind of swung in the direction of Drake London. Um, feels like generally speaking, the the entire, um, you know, even the, the Falcons beat reporters seems like cooling down a little bit here on Kyle Pitt. So definitely um, mm -hmm. eager to see that sort of target distribution. If I have to bet on one in week one. I'm going to roll with Drake London and I, I think he and Bijan Robinson are probably the only guys I feel overly confident in on that side of the ball over for the Carolina Panthers though. They're kind of having a, a little bit of a situation here at wide receiver. So DJ Chark been managing a hamstring injury. He did not practice uh, on Thursday. Adam Thielen downgraded from limited after being listed with an ankle injury. So he did not practice at all 
as of Thursday. Um, that basically leaves like rookie Jonathan Mingo. Um, you've got LaVisca Chenault in the mix. Um, you know, Terrace Marshall, he was even uh, limited on Wednesday. I don't know what his participation status was for, for the Thursday practice, but this is a banged up receiver core. We've talked about, uh, you know, several shows back talking about Hayden Hurst and his potential to, you know, be a, a very decent target hog in this offense, just given the opportunities, you know, in a, a less than stellar receiving core with these injuries, like is Hayden Hurst, one of the better streaming tight ends in all of week one, um, just, you know, for, for some of these, you know, managers of George Kittle, you know, mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey, like could Hayden Hurst be a viable option? Cause it, it, we really could very theoretically be without Adam Thielen and DJ Chark, which would not be good for Bryce Young, but could be very good for, you know, Hayden Hurst and PPR. Yeah, that that my thoughts exactly. I mean, if we're going to be missing Adam Thielen and DJ Chark or or one or the other, I mean, it just opens up more targets for Hurst. And like you said, those George Kittle and and Travis Kelsey managers who are maybe skeptical that those guys are going to play Hayden Hurst absolutely makes a lot of sense there um, as somebody that we can try to pick up this week and stream the the Atlanta defense. Even though it's improved, it's not, still not nearly as good as, as they, they need to be. So I, I think Hayden Hurst can definitely make an impact here um, if those wide receivers are out. So I, I, I like the call there. But yeah, other than him, other than Hayden Hurst, it's probably Miles Sanders being the only yeah. starter for me this week. But I'm, I'm just even if even if Thielen and Chark play, I'm I'm still kind of in wait and see mode with this wide receiver core, um, and especially because they're they're not fully healthy right now, so we don't know that the the, the workload is going to be as optimal as as we're hoping for. But yeah, Carolina, man, they're 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 going to be an interesting team to watch this year. I, I'm much more interested in Atlanta. I love Drake London. That that's the guy that I'm I'm starting where I have him. Um, you know, as good as this Panthers defense last year was against the run, they were actually much less successful against the pass. They ranked 29th as a team in coverage grade. Um, Drake London has the seventh best wide receiver cornerback matchup advantage according to the the wide receiver corner tool. Um, yeah, he's he's somebody that I'm 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 starting and I'm, I have high expectations for. I just hope Desmond Ritter doesn't let me down, but definitely worried about the the usage there with Kyle Pitts too. So um that that would be the other thing. And I know Nate has him lower this week. I think he moved him to tight end 10 um, because of that usage potentially being uh, less than ideal. Yeah. Panthers uh, ranked fourth in fantasy points per game allowed to opposing wide receivers mm -hmm. um, allowed just under 175 yards to opposing wide receivers per game. Mm -hmm. um, like this was, this was a very delightful and juicy matchup for uh, opposing wide receivers. I don't think they've done enough to, to swing the pendulum that far. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a delightful matchup for Drake London and I'm lighting him up with confidence. Uh, but outside him, B. John Robinson and maybe Hayden Hurst. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, an interesting game, but not necessarily one you want to start all of, all of those skill position players. <laughs> Yeah, not so much, but uh, 
Another interesting game here, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns in the Battle of Ohio. So um, this may be, you know, one of the more hot takes I have for this this week. But I, I as much as I'm excited about getting Joe Burrow back and, you know, he's apparently healthy after giving us the, the calf strain scare a few weeks ago. I don't think that the Browns defense is it, I think they're another one of those teams where they're much improved. And I don't think they are going to be as bad as they were last year. So I do have some optimism that the Browns defense could be good, which makes me a little bit worried about the Bengals offense here. So Sam Monson ranked um, the Browns defensive line as the sixth best in the league heading into the season, which I definitely understand. Obviously having Miles Garrett, arguably the best edge defender in the NFL helps that, but he's not alone. Now the team added three defensive linemen who all earned at least 79 pass rush grades last year. Um, in Darius Smith, Owo Okoronkwo and Dalvin Tomlinson. I think they could create like a lot of pressure against this Bengals offensive line, which is just around average. And Burrow wasn't as strong of a fantasy quarterback when facing pressure last season, which is expected. But in games where he saw at least 14 pressures, he had just one top 10 QB fantasy finish. Um, he finished as QB six in week one. Um, but while the other games, he was QB 18, QB 13, and QB 15 uh, in, in games where he faced those 14 pressures or more last season. I do think this Browns defensive line under Jim Schwartz is certainly capable of getting there this week against an average offensive line. So I'm probably going to be a bit lower on Joe Burrow this week. He's still one of the most expensive quarterbacks on FanDuel obviously, but don't think the Browns will be that, that pushover either um, as much as they were last year, even though I'm still pretty much starting Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Joe Mixon. I, I do think there could be potentially better options, at least for the, the latter two guys there in, in shallower leagues. But um, looking at the Browns offense, probably not any easier for them going against a good Bengals defense. I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, a potential bounce back for Deshaun Watson. Will he be able to do it? I, I don't have like a ton of confidence that he'll be able to, but I'm not ruling it out either. Right. So I, I think, you know, seeing it from him first would give me a lot more confidence for the rest of the Browns offense. Um, David Njoku at tight end is somebody that I've been interested in this off season later in drafts, but he's going to drop Logan Wilson. Who's one of the better coverage linebackers in the league. They also have uh, Dax Hill at safety who could get some of that work against Njoku as well. Um, Dax Hill was a first round pick last year as well. So I think he could potentially get some of that um, work against David Njoku and make his day a little bit tougher. Um, the Bengals and the Browns receivers pretty much all have tougher matchups there. This is, these are tough. These are good corner groups. You got Denzel Ward for Cleveland, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson, um, but Chidobe Awuzie is back healthy for Cincinnati. He was really good last year before the injury cam Taylor Britt as well. Um, Mike Hilton is one of the better slot corners in the league who, who could make things difficult for somebody like Elijah Moore, who projects to play there quite a bit this week. Um, so yeah, not in love with the Browns wide receiver options in this game. I think Nick Chubb does have a tougher matchup and I, I know Nate moved him down to RB eight. So just some stuff to be aware of there still love Nick Chubb, obviously. Um, and, and you're starting them everywhere, but again, tempering expectations here. Um, in, in this game against the Bengals, because it's not the ideal matchup. And at least for DFS purposes, um, 
yeah, it, it might be somebody to avoid there. So, um, Kate, we lost you for a second. I'm glad you're back. Um, we just finished. I basically just finished a long rant about how this game is going to be tough for both sides of the ball um, with Cincinnati and Cleveland. But but how about you? Anything that uh, that stands out for you in this one? I'm thinking I, I'm kind of with you on on the defensive front here. It's kind of interesting because it's one of the higher over unders and, and at 40 uh, 47.5 points uh, is the current point total projection for this game. I could see it being much lower than that, being a a, a bit of a struggle on defense between these two teams. Um, you know, the one thing I'm I'm kind of curious about is to see how this Bengals secondary looks with some of the losses they've had. Um, you know, particularly at the safety position, um, that could be a point of liability where maybe we see the Browns take some advantage, but going to be going to be an, a matchup that I, I think, again, one, you know, you have several of these assets, you have Nick Chubb, you have Amari Cooper, you have, you know, wide receivers for the Bengals, Joe, but like none of these players are ones that you're necessarily sitting but I think this is a matchup where, again, just in general, you are probably going to be tempering expectations for all of the fantasy assets involved. Right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And that, yeah, that that's exactly what we we went through here. So I'm glad we're we're on the same page on that one there. Um, so let's move to the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, look, I kind of love this matchup for, for Alexander Madison, the, the Buccaneers last year ranked 23rd uh, in run defense grade Tampa. They haven't really added any significant run defense help along their defensive line. Minnesota's offensive line remains relatively unchanged from last season. And they rank third in run blocking grade. So potentially great matchup for, for Alexander Madison. It looks like Nate has him as RB 13. So he's high on him for this week as well. But um any other uh, fantasy stars in this game that that you're looking at? I mean, are you starting Justin Jefferson in, in week one? I don't know. I'm kind of like totally <laughs> sitting him. What a bust. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. obviously you are starting Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, I, I think Justin Jefferson and Alexander Madison, they're the only two guys that, um, you know, outside of TJ Hawkinson, who it seems like now that he got paid is fully healthy. Um yeah. I don't know, not to speculate there, um, but I, I think it's these three guys, you know, some might be tempted to dabble in a little bit of Jordan Addison. I'm more in a wait and see mode, but mm -hmm. definitely an interesting matchup here for Alexander Madison. Um, the, the, you know, uh, our offensive line, defensive line ranking gives uh, the Minnesota Vikings a 27% advantage over the Buccaneers in the run game, which ranks second uh, in all of the league matchups this week. So you love to see that. I, you know, I, I just think even if he were not to be efficient, I'm not sure there are many players we can project for a more significant workload this week mm -hmm. than Alexander Madison in the run game um, on the Buccaneers side of the ball. Again, there's going to be a lot of question marks. I think that we start to see answered, um, you know, namely who are our Baker Mayfield's go-to targets, is it the Mike Evans? Do we see him succeed with the deep ball and, and see these two connect? Is it Chris Godwin, who I think is the much better volume play? I've got Chris Godwin ranked as a top 12 wide receiver this week. Um, you know, Minnesota, very, very, very bad uh, secondary here last year. I don't think they did enough here uh, to necessarily revitalize that, that situation here. Um, you know, Chris Godwin, I think he's going to be a very good uh, PPR play especially, but I, I also think he's got a, 
you know, a very similar ceiling to Mike Evans, but a much safer floor in my eyes. Um, this is going to be a really, really, uh, I, I think, favorable matchup for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to start off this season on a high note. Yeah, I'm with you. It's just a matter of if Baker Mayfield can can perform well enough to yeah. get them the ball, right? That, that's yeah, that's the big question because, yeah, I love the the wide receiver cornerback matchups for this one. I mean, you look at Minnesota's options, it's, you know, guys like a Caleb Evans and um, Byron Murphy's fine in the slot, but Makai Blackman, these these are guys that we're, we're not worried about as far as uh, looking at the talent on wide receiver for Tampa Bay. So if Baker Mayfield could keep the offense moving and, and get those guys the ball, then absolutely um, there's potential there for, for some big games from Evans and Godwin which which you definitely like and then we'll see who emerges as that wide receiver three if it's Trey Palmer or or somebody else um over there but uh I I think for the most part you're just playing Evans and Godwin Rashad White interesting I, I think in deeper leagues but not excited about him Sean Tucker potentially coming up as well um the undrafted rookie uh, out of Syracuse who, who had the heart issue but looks to be healthy he could potentially push for um some snaps as well but yeah other than that pretty straightforward game I, th- I think for the most part yeah I, I'll definitely be watching uh like you mentioned that run game something that I think could play in favor of Rashad White um, you know, I, I think the the Buccaneers obviously project their, their five and a half point underdogs in this game. They're on the road. If things fall behind, we could see, you know, some more of that involvement from Rashad White uh, as a as a receiver specifically was kind of a disaster in terms of his efficiency on the ground last season. But this could be a nice potential volume play, especially in full PPR formats, mm-hmm. um, just given the game script and and opportunity there for the Buccaneers. Yeah, like that. Um, All right, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans at the New Orleans Saints. So I'll start with the Saints. Not a great matchup for Jamal Williams against one of the better run defending teams in the league last season. Um, the the Titans were third in run defense in run defense grade. I think he should still you know be a fine option, especially with no Alvin Kamara this week. But Interested in in Chris Olave for sure. Michael Thomas is is another one. Apparently, he's fully healthy and motivated to get back at it. We'll see what happens when he's on the field if he can keep that going. I hope he is. But an interesting one too. I think Jawan Johnson could potentially be one of those other tight end streamers this week. We have him projected as the sixth best uh, tight end matchup advantage this week, especially if he's drawing any of the Titans linebackers, um, Jack Gibbons uh, specifically, who's their LB two over there. So I, I Jawan Johnson could be kind of interesting, especially as they get into the red zone. Um, but yeah, not again, not the most exciting game. Derrick Henry, we know, is going to handle the lion's share running back touches for Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill, not really most fantasy manager, uh, someone that they're, that is getting started. Decently strong coverage unit for the Saints as well. So that Titans O-line is, is ranked 32nd for us. So dead last, I think we could see some struggles offensively for the Titans in this one. So doesn't have me overly optimistic about the the Tannehills and Traylon Burks or DeAndre Hopkins either. Um, although Nick has Hopkins is wide receiver 18, wide receiver 48 than him. So I'm, so he's probably higher in Hopkins than I am this week. But but how about you? How are you feeling about this? these guys in this matchup? Yeah, definitely uh, fading Jamal Williams, even though he is set to, to see that significant workload. Um, Tennessee Titans ranked bottom three in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs. Um, second fewest yards per game allowed uh, on the ground to opposing running backs. Like 
this was a defense that like compared most closely with the San Francisco 49ers defense, which was a matchup. Absolutely. Nobody wanted to touch. Uh, and still uh, like we already talked about this with Najee Harris. Nobody wants to touch uh, a starter running back against San Francisco 49ers. The same thing holds true for this Titans defense, not looking uh, to, to start Jamal Williams, even if he is like getting the lion's share, unless I have to, um, yeah. you know, I think this is going to be generally an inefficient matchup. You're going to hope for some goal line work, which is, is what kind of, you know, saved uh, and, and made Jamal Williams so fantasy relevant last year. Uh, generally speaking, not looking to really target any of these, these playmakers offensively, obviously you're starting Chris Olave Titans were a, outstanding matchup against opposing wide receivers last season, led the league in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, even if, if they've made some improvements, I, I don't think there's really going to be any, any sort of change there uh, in terms of like, there's no, there's no shutdown options here for the Tennessee Titans. Um, I, I think this is going to be a, a fine matchup for Chris Olave. Uh, you know, I generally speaking though, on the Titan side of the ball, like, you're starting Derrick Henry. I think you're starting DeAndre Hopkins. And, and you know, I think just based on the fact that he is going to be the primary target for this this passing offense, um, you know, that's that's what will have him finish probably inside the top 20 for me. But it, you, you're not going to feel excited, I think, about really any any assets on this side of the ball. Yeah, I'm worried that we're going to feel that way about the Titans pretty much the entire season, regardless of who they're playing. But yeah, it's still not a great matchup for them. And that offensive line still is going to struggle. And and yeah, we'll just see what Ryan Tannehill can do this year. But um, yeah, it, it's Derrick Henry Hopkins, like you said, but uh, it's it's kind of a mess. We'll see what happens with Chico Conquo as well. I, I do have some hope for him, but um, probably not somebody that I'm looking to stream this week as a tight end starter. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, I'm All in right, agreement there. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts. Kind of a decent matchup here for the Jaguars passing game, at least, so we could be positive maybe about yes. them. I mean, you look at the Colts' corners, it's it's guys like Dallas Flowers, uh, 2022 UDFA, Daryl Baker. Uh, Kenny Moore is in there as well, who's solid. But, I mean, look, Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, I think these guys should absolutely eat this week. There's room for all of them to eat. Like if I had, you know, Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley on the same roster, I'd be slotting both of them in. <laughs> there might not be a secondary that's like as questionable right now as the Colts. And I don't know that we're not talking enough about this, but I could see like Nate or uh, 
oh my God, John, uh, <laughs> John, um, I could absolutely see like, you know, six weeks out from now, we're having a conversation about how the Indianapolis Colts are the matchup to, to target like your start, your wide receivers against the Colts. I could absolutely picture that being a fixture of our conversation, uh, several weeks down the road. I, you know, you're lighting up Trevor Lawrence would not be surprised if we didn't see a top five finish, uh, you know, based on some of that passing efficiency that I'm projecting against the Colts. Um, I, I think generally speaking, you're lighting up all your Jaguars. The biggest question is what you're doing with the Indianapolis Colts. Cause I think I want to stay as far away from literally every asset on this team as humanly possible. And that includes Anthony Richardson, who I know everybody's really excited about. I think he has a lot of upside, right? Um, but you know, in the preseason, I think we saw a lot of those weaknesses in terms of accuracy, in terms of touch, um, you know, obviously there's a lot to like about Anthony Richardson, what he brings on the ground with his legs, but can you trust him against the Jaguars in week one, uh, without Jonathan Taylor, uh, Zach Moss questionable coming back from his broken arm. Um, you know, you've got Michael, like there's, there's no, standouts on this mm -hmm. Colts offense that I feel like give me, uh, inspire much hope for success for Anthony Richardson. I think this is going to be kind of an ugly game for him. Yeah. I, I'm with you as much as I, I like Anthony Richardson's potential for this season. I've talked about it all off season, right? If you're drafting him, you're not drafting him to start week one. He, he's, he's staying on your bench week one, because there is still question marks about what he's going to look like as a passer, how they're going to utilize him in this offense. So we want to kind of see it first from Anthony Richardson before trusting him as a fantasy asset. So I'm with you. I'm absolutely not starting um, Anthony Richardson. I'm, I'm avoiding most Colts players in this game. I don't think, um, I'm even really looking to start Michael Pittman where where I can avoid it. Um, and yeah, the, the running backs for sure. I, again, just kind of waiting and seeing there. Hopefully we get Zach Moss back, like you said, um, because I think he has the most potential of the group there, but it, it's still just kind of a wait and see group. And the other thing too, I think just as far, like we we like the, the Jaguars passing offense, but looking at their rushing uh, offense, I'm not as excited about ETN this week. And not just because of the potential committee approach to Jacksonville's backfield, but this Colts defensive line was pretty solid last year against the run. They posted the fourth most um, tackles for loss or no gain among defensive line units in the league last year. They still have DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Quiddy Pay, Deo Ingbo, all still there, strong against the run. ETN, we know, had the third highest stuffed run rate in the league last season at 22.2%. And then when he was contacted two or fewer yards from the line of scrimmage, he posted just a 50.4 rushing grade, which ranked 52nd among 63 qualifying running backs. Under those same circumstances, he averaged 2.0 yards per carry, uh, which ranked 56th among the same 63 qualifying running backs. So he's somebody that I'm, I'm trying to avoid this week. He's currently 7,700 on FanDuel. I'm not putting him in, in, in any DFS lineups this week. I, I think we could potentially see maybe like a sub 50 yard rushing game um, from ETN this, this week as well. I think that's very much within the realm of possibility here uh, using the offensive line, defensive line matchup tool over on pro football focus. I, it, you know, not a good, not a good matchup. Second worst run uh, matchup between these two units for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think this could be a, a very inefficient game from ETN on the ground. But again, he's one of these players that you're not necessarily sitting, but mm -hmm. you're probably going to be looking to maybe supplement, again, some of those 
higher upside options in the flex to to you know maybe counteract that potential for a sub 50 yard rushing game from ETN but the passing offense here for the Jaguars like you could not ask for a better season opener for these assets and I, I have a feeling this is going to get Trevor Lawrence off to a hot start uh, between him between Calvin Ridley like you could not ask for a, a better week one yeah, yeah, this is this is really the ideal matchup, but I'm with you. I think we could be talking about them uh, into the season and just keep starting your players against the Colts, but it just makes too much sense given the personnel that they have there uh, in that secondary. So another uh, matchup that I'm pretty excited about, Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears. I kind of love this matchup for Green Bay, um, uh, no pun intended, uh, but I wrote about them in the O-line, D-line matchup article as well. The Bears defensive line ranked dead last in PFF pass rush grade last season. They've added some improvements this year, including Yannick Ngakwe, but he's even coming off his worst pass rush grade of his career. The Packers ranked third in pass blocking grade last season. Um, Green Bay's offensive line remains relatively intact as well after last year, which includes a healthy David Bakhtiari at left tackle who earned a 87.8 pass blocking grade, which was fifth among, among offensive tackles, didn't allow a single QB hit or sack all of last season. So Jordan Love, I think is kind of interesting as a potential streamer this week. I, I It may sound crazy, but coming off the momentum of the preseason, you know, he posted a 77.9 passing grade, which ranked 10 through 10th through three preseason games on just 37 dropbacks. But look, went 21 for 33, 193 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions or turnover worthy plays. So we won't weigh the preseason performance too heavily, but it's also a big step in the right direction. I think for a player who, had struggled mightily in his two previous preseasons. And then going into week one, he's one of the cheapest quarterback options in DFS as well. Great spot, I think, for Love to maybe continue some momentum here against a defensive line um, that's expected to just continue to struggle here, generating pressure in 2023. So he's really interesting to me. The passing options are also interesting, but Christian Watson is questionable. Um, so I think a lot depends on that, obviously. I But I would be stacking Jordan Love with Christian Watson if we got early news that Watson was going to be playing um, this week. But if it becomes a game-time decision type thing, I'd be a little bit more concerned about it. But last time Watson faced the Bears, week 13 of 2022, he finishes a PPR wide receiver eight. Um, he's now set to be the kind of clear number one target in the Packers offense. Um, so I, I think there's room for him to potentially uh, be a decent play this week as well. If he can't go, I mean, Romeo Dubs also question questionable. So that is the may, concern. Yeah. Both he and Watson yeah. dealing with a hamstring injury, which you don't love to hear. But I mean, you know who we've been talking up all preseason. Yes. It's been Luke Musgrave, baby. This could be the Luke. If if you're considering, I think, you know, Sam Laporta as a potential streamer in, you know, yeah this this tight end week uh from hell uh in week one i do think that you you've got to perhaps consider luke musgrave i mean uh you know I, I think he would be a decent pairing uh an affordable pairing for dfs if you've got jordan love in that mix yeah. plenty of concerns here but again the defensive matchup it leaves a, a lot to like about jordan love this week um, you know, I think one of the most underrated aspects that we saw from Jordan Love was like a, a little bit of that ability to scramble, right? Like mm -hmm. um, you know, four, four scrambles, 32 yards on those scrambles uh, throughout uh, 
the three preseason games, limited playing time, uh, led all quarterbacks in PFF rushing grade throughout the preseason. Um, you, you like to see all these things. And I think, you know, obviously being without your top two receivers, not good, but the, I, I think the plus side is that we've heard a lot through training camp that he's been spreading the ball to guys like Luke Musgrave to rookie Jaden Reed. Like we've, we've heard um, plenty of the involvement from other assets within this offense that, um, you know, it, it stands to reason that love should still be comfortable with the options he's got, even though, again, this is like, even if you have Christian Watson and Romeo dubs in the mix, this is still one of the least experienced receiving cores mm-hmm. in the league, which is a concern. But if you're throwing a dart, it, at least it's a good matchup. Yeah, this this could be very well like one of those high upside swings, right? Because Chicago's defense does not project to be one of the better ones in the league this year. So, uh, yeah, the the big question is if if uh, Christian Watson and Romeo Dubs are out, then that is that is definitely a problem. But it does open the door, like you say, for like a Luke Musgrave to be one of those potential streamers this week for sure. If um, you're a Kelsey manager or a Kittle manager, if you need it as well. So, um, but yeah, other than that, Aaron Jones, nice matchup here. Um, Chicago. I'm not sitting Justin Fields. Uh, DJ Moore might be in for a tougher matchup this week against Jair Alexander. Um, I know Nate wrote him up as a sit this week as well. Um, so DJ Moore, definitely one of the tougher matchups for wide receivers this week. And then I'm probably chilling on Khalil Herbert a bit for this week, but I think he could still be fine in, in the long run. Just again, kind of not the ideal matchup and kind of waiting to see the exact usage there. Yeah, I'm I'm I feel like I've been a little bit more bullish on Khalil Herbert and and his potential for a workload here. So I I project him as a, a top 15 running back this week based on purely um potential workload and and what I project his workload to be in this given matchup, but um definitely especially this secondary, you know, I, I think um the Jair Alexander against DJ Moore like not exactly what you'd want to see. I'm still all in on Justin Fields with his ability to run the ball, but not counting on him as a passer this week against this Green Bay Packers secondary. Um, I think, you know, the majority of his fantasy points are not, are, are not necessarily going to come with his arm. They're once again, going to come with his legs, which, which has me fading his receiving core this week. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, all right, let's go to the Miami Dolphins at the Los Angeles Chargers. Anything kind of out of the op- outside of the obvious here that that you think for this game because there's definitely a lot of obvious starts I, I think it's going to be a high passing game but anybody that you want to call out that that makes sense for for this game yeah I think you just you start your dolphins you start your chargers <laughs> I'm, I'm predicting this to be a pretty uh pretty high scoring matchup over under right now is at 51 points and I could see that uh that over hitting pretty easily here in this this given matchup um, you know, I'm I'm not overly bullish on either of these defenses for this season. Mm-hmm. I think there's plenty to like, obviously, like, uh, you know, Xavier Howard, you've got, um, you know, eventually down the road, you'll have Jalen Ramsey, hopefully returning for those Miami Dolphins. You've got Bradley Chubb, like there's a lot of assets to like. You've got, you know, Khalil Mack on the other side of the ball, like. But I, I don't I still think when you're looking at like the strengths of these two teams, it's so heavily weighted in terms of offense that this is still projecting as a shootout for me. I would not at all be surprised if we see Justin Herbert finish as a top five quarterback in this matchup. 
Um, you know, I, I think we've saw seen a lot of production from the Miami Dolphins at home last year. Didn't translate as well on the road. I uh, got to travel out west. Um, I, I think, you know, this game is weighted for uh, a Chargers win in this one. But I think across the board, you're lighting all these guys up. Uh, special shout out to Raheem Mostert, who I, I think projects as a, a, you know, at the very worst in RB2. Uh, in this this matchup here against the Chargers, who were were generally kind of susceptible to the run last year, um, you know, Devin A. Chain uh, not taking contact by by my last report that I saw um, in practice. You have Jeff Wilson on IR. You know, obviously the the Jonathan Taylor trade didn't come through, so I'm all aboard Raheem Mostert, and I think that he could be one of the the biggest surprises here in Week One. Um, you know, a guy that you probably drafted pretty late in your fantasy drafts, but a, a guy that I would start over, uh, you know, a lot of the the players I drafted much earlier in my drafts this year. Yeah, yeah, we continue to be on the exact same page here because that that was all Stop my notes copying as well. Me, John. <laughs> I had I have Raheem Mostert as absolutely like one of the, the better streaming Fire. options for this week. Right. And look, the Dolphins. They ranked 7th in run blocking grade last year. Um, the Chargers ranked 30th in run defense grade. Uh, look, uh, the, the offensive line, I think, for Miami holds a pretty significant edge in the trenches here, especially in the run game. Um, Miami's offensive line ranked 11th in rushing yards generated before contact per attempt. The Chargers ranked 30th in rushing yards before contact allowed per attempt. So just opposite ends of the spectrum here. Last season, when Mostert was provided at least one yard before contact, he earned a 90.0 rushing grade, generated 6.7 yards per attempt. Like you said, Jeff Wilson on IR, there, there's just less competition for Mostert in Miami's backfield for this week. So I think he should be in for an even larger workload than previously ex- expected. His his over-under is 55.5 rushing yards right now in DraftKings Sportsbook, or when last I checked, 5,900 on FanDuel as well for DFS. I, I love him as a play this week and, and definitely agree with you. I think Raheem Mostert could be very sneaky um, running back for this week. One update, um, just pulled up Devin H. And he actually did get in a full practice cleared for contact. Go. So um, maybe maybe we'll see some of his involvement. I still think, you know, Raheem Moster projects as, as far away, far away in the starter for this game. Um, Devin A. Chain, like, missed a, a good chunk of work. Could see, you know, I, I think some passing down work, but I think, you know, early downs are probably going to go to Raheem Moster, and, and that's the guy I'll take. But light up all of your dolphins all of your chargers and enjoy the fireworks yeah definitely um all right let's go to the philadelphia eagles at the new england patriots um i thought this was interesting so i was looking at the rankings nate has rashad penny as rb 49 and a couple spots ahead of kenneth gainwell as rb 51 this week i think he's probably skeptical like like most of us are that this won't be like a clear Miles Sanders like deployment for Gainwell and that Penny will factor in enough even if it is behind Gainwell that he could maybe be more efficient with his touches or John, get the did goal you line see touches. The, <laughs> did you see the depth chart for the Eagles? Not yet. No. What what does it look like? They, they literally listed Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott and DeAndre Swift <laughs> all as first team running backs. You did not help that. with this clarity situation. <laughs> and I think that is probably why like nobody knows how to rank this, oh, this rushing offense. Um, you know, depth chart didn't give any clarity. Of course, they always say, 
like this is a, you know, the PR team is, is releasing the depth chart, but if your PR team literally has zero clue who your starting running back is not a good sign for fantasy and I'm fading all of them. <laughs> yeah, that, that was going to be my next point. It's like, just, just don't play any of them and see how it plays out. But God, I, I mean, what is the point of having a depth chart? If you're just going to list everybody as the, the top of the depth chart, it just doesn't make sense. You get a first team rep, you get a first team <laughs> yeah, rep, you get a first, so like, that's tough. literally what the, the Eagles PR department did here. And that helps nobody. Yeah, it literally helps nobody. So we'll just have to wait to see what the usage shakes out here in, in week one. But I mean, yeah, avoid the running backs, but AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, of course, Jalen Hurts as well. You're, you're starting no matter what. It might be a tougher matchup for Goddard uh, the, as the tight end here in New England uh, or against New England. Belichick, I think, could utilize Kyle Duggar on him a little bit, Marcus Jones as well. So maybe not the best matchup for Goddard, but not like you're really benching him this week anyways, because tight end is what it is so yeah. just who else are you starting exactly. who among that, us that's... i, I <laughs> exactly. don't have the luxury there i know i know and then yeah for new england there's there still feels like so much to figure out still Ramondre stevenson versus zeke usage hunter henry versus mike gusecki usage um will these wide receivers have any fantasy value at all i think nate has the highest one ranked is juju smith schuster at wide receiver 44 um and then you got mac jones as well so for me it's probably Ramondre and I'm kind of monitoring the rest, maybe pick someone for week two if I have to, but not feeling great about putting any of these guys in my lineup in week one against one of the league's best defenses. So just far from ideal for new England. Yeah, that, uh, that kind of covers it for me yeah. um, <laughs> on, on both sides of the ball though. Like I, I not overly bullish on like, obviously you're starting AJ Brown, you're starting Dallas Goddard, you're starting, you know, Jalen hurts, but like, Generally speaking, this is again one of those matchups where I could just picture this being a little bit more of a defensive struggle. Um, you know, that's that's the name of the game for Bill Belichick. I could I could 100% see this being a a low scoring game that you don't see a lot of ton, you know, a, a lot of work for everybody. Now, it, some one player I do want to shout out is watching who I'm not starting, but I find myself continuously curious to see like how much work he's actually going to get this season. And I want to pay attention to his target shares wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne, who I feel like mm. uh, we've, we've heard a lot, um, you know, like he's one of these guys that just kind of stays involved. And I, I feel like you never can necessarily count him out. Um, there's been some conjecture that uh, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, you know, still kind of struggling with a knee injury that he's had, you know, for a while there, um, Kendrick Bourne, I, I think just generally an underrated receiver has a lot of boom potential. Um, and, and it seems like he's been the beneficiary of some targets, uh, throughout this off season. So kind of watching him as like a, a potential guy that like, I, I want to see if he does get some regular season targets, um, again, not, not playing him, but he's a guy that I'm monitoring in case, in, in case he emerges as, you know, one of these primary targets for, mm -hmm you know, this, this offense, I think it could be kind of fun. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great call. We talked a little bit about uh, Kendrick Bourne earlier this off season, Nate and I, and, and we're somewhat interested in him and, and, and especially now Taekwon Thornton is on IR, I believe. So um, there, there's room there for Kendrick Bourne to potentially emerge as well, if this offense can kind of get going. So interesting one to watch. Um, do want to do one quick 
ad break, one last one here, and that is our friends at AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I've been drinking it every day. I certainly need it because if I'm being totally honest, I don't necessarily have the healthiest possible diet that I stick to and quite frankly could stand to be healthier in general. So AG1 is essentially exactly what I was looking for is something quick and easy that I could build into my diet where I don't have to worry about taking so many supplements and pills and, and all that fun stuff. I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day. I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support, and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. Throw the AG1 into a fruit smoothie every morning, start the day off with everything I need for my body, like I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. So again, as someone who can't be alone in wanting to improve their health and has a difficult time doing so when it comes to overall diet, Adding AG1 to my day has been a game changer in that regard as I get 75 high quality ingredients that gives me key daily nutrients and support supports energy, focus, strength, and clarity. I just mix one small scoop with my smoothie and drink it first thing each morning. Boom, done. It's as simple as that. Another added bonus is that it costs less than $3 a day, which is pretty good if you ask me. It's a relatively effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients. It's a win-win. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com PFF. That's drinkag1.com PFF. Check it out now. All right, Los Angeles Rams against the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Geno Smith, I know Nick Botiford here wrote him up as one of the, the quarterbacks to target this week, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, this Rams defense is going to be abysmal this year. Outside of Aaron Donald, there just aren't many players who are, are starter-worthy, starter-caliber players in the NFL. I think they'd be backups on most other NFL defense, so... I'm with Nick here starting all your Seahawks. Um, Nate has Kenneth Walker as a potential top 10 play at running back this week. He's, he's a hold on Charbonnet, but DK Metcalf at wide receiver 11, Tyler Lockett wide receiver 16. Maybe Noah Fant, if he gets proper usage, maybe he's one of those potential streamers this week. We'll see. It's a, it's a decent matchup if he does get the good usage. But how about you? Do, do you like anybody from the Rams or the Seahawks this week? I like everybody from the Seahawks. You get a start. You get a start. Yeah. You get like that. <laughs> I, I have, I have Geno Smith as a top 10 quarterback. I have, uh, you know, both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf as top 15 wide receivers. Um, this Rams defense, I feel like, uh, again, kind of like we discussed with the Colts, I could picture, you know, in like week six, like stream, stream your wide receiver, stream literally anybody against the Rams defense, because I do think this is just going to be, one of those seasons, which interestingly, I do think uh, benefits, you know, maybe Matthew Stafford a little bit from a volume garbage time perspective. Now, very different players, but imagine like, what was it, you know, 2018, um, like a Blake Bortles or 2017 Blake Bortles, where mm -hmm. um, it was like the ugliest matchup you could possibly watch in your life. Um, but there was a lot of garbage time available. I could picture that maybe being the case for Matthew Stafford, but not looking to start anybody here. You have Cooper cup out in week one, um, which I do think puts Tyler Higby in kind of an interesting spot, um, as a, a volume based play. He is now, I, I think mostly owned and mostly rostered, uh, pretty much across the league at this point in most fantasy football leagues. So not a guy you might be able to find on the waiver wire at this point, but could be a very interesting volume play um, outside of like Higby 
Is there any wide receiver, I think, on the the Rams that you're intrigued about? Because I'm just, I'd rather, I'd rather not. Yeah, I think I'd rather not is the right approach here. Uh, and yeah, Van Jefferson, like he, he performed okay last year down the stretch when Cooper Cup was out and, and when he got back healthy. So he may be the one for deeper leagues, but I know people are excited about like Puka Nakua, but it, it, you're not starting in week one. Again, another one of those kind of wait and see guys. Um, but yeah, it, that there's no other wide receiver um, for the Rams that I'm starting. I, I think you're right. It's Tyler Higby and then Cam Akers at running back and, and, even Cam Akers kind of questionable against a tougher opponent this week. So yeah, it's uh the Rams are the the Rams are in for a rough season. It feels like. Yeah. Sorry about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> any, any Rams fans out there, I, I apologize, but I do not expect this to be easy sledding for you or your heart. Um, it, this might be an opportunity where for your heart health, you need to go get some of that AG one. Um, Cause I, I don't think this is going to be like a, <laughs> Uh, an easy year for you. And I think you need to do your, do your best, protect your health uh, amidst all this stress that I think the Rams are going to impose on you this year. Um, how about the Raiders Denver Broncos, uh, another, you know, interdivisional matchup we've got, um, you know, on the, the Broncos side of the ball, who knows what to expect from Russell Wilson, uh, who had head coach Sean Payton told to stop kissing babies and focus on football. <laughs> Um, does he focus on football in week one? And do we see this Broncos, you know, team just in general, get off to a hot start? Cause you know, Jerry Judy been limited dealing with a hamstring injury. Cortland Sutton obviously hasn't been the picture of reliability for this team. Um, you have Greg Dulcich, like there's, there's a lot of players here, right? Like, mm -hmm. Do any of them actually get off to a solid start? Because I think the only player that I'm actually kind of intrigued by this week is potentially Javante Williams, which I'm shocked about. Because mm. if you told me that, like, I don't know, three months ago, I probably would have told you no, no way. But yeah. I'm I'm kind of willing to to go in on Javante Williams this week and see what happens. Yeah, I like I, I like Javante Williams quite a bit. I, I'm still, I guess where I can afford to, I'm kind of still in wait and see mode there just because I want to see what the usage is with him and Samaj P. Ryan. Same thing with Greg Dolchich. Um, th there's potentially maybe not some ideal usage there for him as a tight end, but Adam Troutman, like Adam Troutman could work in, right? Like that's the thing, right? There there's, there's players on this offense that can be fantasy stars, but we need Russell Wilson and this offense to get back on track. And I do think it, it doesn't feel like Jerry Judy is going to be hundred percent for this game. If he does play, if he doesn't, I think Cortland Sutton does become interesting. I know Nate wrote him up as a start this week as well. And just sharing some of the insight from his article there on Sutton, because I thought this was a really good point, but the Raiders ran the fourth most man coverage snaps last season. And Sutton has typically performed much better against man than zone. Uh, he earned a 76.7 receiving grade against man compared to 69.3 against zone over the past three seasons. And his yards per route run in that time is 2.44 against man and one 1.31 against zone um, with an even bigger discrepancy last year. He had 2.76 against man and 1.33 against zone. So Sutton, I think he's probably going to operate as the Broncos wide receiver one in this game, assuming Jerry Judy's out. Marvin Mims is kind of interesting as the wide receiver too, but definitely uh, into Sutton this week. Um, I'm still starting Javante Williams in quite a few places, but uh, I do 
I am slightly concerned that that Samaje Piran will mix in at least early in the season. Yeah, I I think that's totally fair. Outside of that, not necessarily looking for a whole lot here. Um, yeah, I this yeah. <laughs> this is I I think one of these offenses that I can I can make an argument that they project either way. Like I I can yeah. project them as an absolute train wreck, or I could project them as a pretty solid offensive unit and. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a lot of in between, but week one is going to be pretty telling, I think, for for this Denver Broncos offense. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you 100% there. And then, yeah, for the Raiders, I know, you know, we're starting Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams. Outside of that, it's it's not like it's that strong of a matchup in anyone else's favorite that you'd consider Jacoby Myers or, or anyone like that, would you? No. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 Jimmy G. I'm not, I'm not starting Jimmy G either. Unfortunately. Let's not get crazy here. I yeah, know yeah. I, we're, we're PFF. We're all about bold takes, but let's not get crazy. Yeah. Don't get crazy. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Let's move on to Sunday night football. Then uh, the Dallas Cowboys surprise are in prime time against the New York giants. Um, giants. I, I think, you know, this might not be the best matchup for them because Dallas's defensive line is unreal. They they were amazing last season and the Giants offensive line comes into this season ranked 29th in our PFF offensive line rankings by Sam Monson. Um, the Cowboys ranked eighth last year or rank eighth right now in defensive line rankings, but they also led the NFL last year in pressure rate and quick pressure rate as a team. Daniel Jones, who... Uh, I, I still like for this season. I had him as I think QB 10 finished 22, 2022 as the fantasy QB nine, but just not the best matchup for him to start the season. Um, Dallas, we know they led the NFL in plays with pressures generated last season while the giants ranked 31st in plays with total pressures allowed. So again, opposite end, ends of the spectrum there, even with some improvement for New York and maybe re- regression for Dallas, there just isn't much of a case to be made in, in the giants favor here, making matters potentially worse through Jones's last three seasons worth of games against the Cowboys. He's never finished higher than QB 19 in any of his five starts against them since 2020, including two QB 20 performances uh, in both meetings last year. So there's going to be better opportunities to start Daniel Jones this, this uh, year, but if it can be avoided that this is, I think a week to bench him um, for maybe a more favorable matchup. Yeah. I I think that to say the least, obviously you're playing Saquon Barkley, but Definitely fading him overall as a, a potential contributor. Like, I, I think you have to weigh temper expectations here. Cowboys allowed just 16.23 fantasy points per game to the running back position. Second fewest in the league in 2022. And I don't think they got any worse here on the defensive front. Um, second fewest touchdowns allowed per game to running backs. Um, ranking top five in negative rush attempts forced. Uh, 10.9% stuff rate. Like, this was a terrible matchup for for running backs all around. And I, I know Barkley is not your average running back, but I, I still don't picture him to see much efficiency. I, I think you can project him with volume, but I think overall this is going to be a team that will, you know, I, I really generally am, am kind of high on a, a lot of the players uh, here for the New York Giants. Darren Waller, especially, um, you know, who, who I projected as my overall tight end three on the season, um, you know, barring, barring any, you know, sort of 
injury to him. I think he's, he's a lock for production. Love Saquon Barkley. I think Daniel Jones, one of my favorite late round quarterback targets, but none of them are, are guys that I'm looking to play here in week one against this Dallas Cowboys offense Mm -hmm. defense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely with you there. It's a, it's a concerning matchup. The Cowboys defense is, is legit. I think they're going to be a concern for a lot of matchups uh, throughout the season. And then on the Dallas side, we're still starting Tony Pollard. We're starting CD lamb. Dak Prescott could be decent again this week. And Jake Ferguson, maybe potentially another one of those uh, tight end streamers who I know you like quite a bit, but um, I think pretty much straightforward here for, for the Dallas offense. What do you think? Yeah, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary here. Um, you know, I, I think you you kind of start your guys. The only guys I'm the only guy I'm not overly bullish on, um, Brandon Cooks, who was okay. at it this offseason, kind of in wait and see mode as to as to what he actually earns in terms of a target share. Um, you know, Jake Ferguson, you mentioned one of my favorite tight end, uh, late round tight ends this offseason, been talking nothing but good things about Jake Ferguson should slot in, I think, right away for, you know, this Dalton Schultz role. Um, comfortable starting him, though. Like, if there are, is concern, uh, it, let's say that Travis Kelsey is not playing. Let's say there's there's more concern that, um, you know, we, we might not have George Kittle for week one. Like, this is probably the guy that I feel most comfortable going to on the waiver wire, as crazy as it sounds, to put all my blind faith into a second-year tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, I'm, I'm still all in. Nice. I, I like it. I think it, it's, it could still be a decent matchup for him and, and the usage was there in the preseason, right? So we, we just got to hope that that continues in the regular season and he could end up being a nice uh, tight end play um, for this season as well. But uh, one more game on the slate for week one, Monday night football, the Buffalo bills at the New York jets. Um, love this for Monday night football should be a fun game. We get the, the cook brothers facing off against each other. Um, potentially two of the more stronger defensive lines as well. So don't love it for the cook brothers or, or any of the running backs in this game. The jets defensive line earned the fourth highest run defense grade last season. Um, the bills were actually ranked tw- uh, 28th in run blocking grade. So you don't love it for maybe like a James cook necessarily who already didn't project to get like a ton of carries in this pass heavy offense. So he's somebody that maybe we're avoiding where we can um, Stefan Diggs versus sauce Gardner should be a lot of fun, but it's not an easy matchup for Stefan Diggs. So you're not benching him, but again, and maybe another one of those guys you're probably avoiding in, in DFS. And then at tight end Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, it's a decent tight end matchup, but, I don't know if we're willing to gamble and, 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 you know, put one of these guys out there. If I, if I am gambling, it's probably Kincaid. Um, but there's always the risk, obviously that the usage could be lower than, than what we needed it to be. But yeah, how about, how about you? There's, there's a decent amount going on in this game. So I'll, I'll let you add in uh, whatever you want here. Yeah. There's a lot going on. I think on both sides of the ball, I, again, this is one of those matchups that I think everybody is, is excited for because you have, Aaron Rodgers, new look offense, New York Jets, like he's going to be wearing green. Uh, You know, you have the return of Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I could also picture this being kind of an ugly defensive matchup, honestly, just based on the defense. You have, you know, the the return of Tredavious White, who I think is going to be finally fully healthy. We didn't get to see him for a full year last year as he spent the beginning of the season rehabbing torn ACL. Micah Hyde missed the majority of the season with a a neck injury. Like there were a lot of 
key injuries. Like those are two really big injuries for the Bills, Bills defense in particular. Then you have the the Jets defense, who we know is is an absolute powerhouse. Like I'm not overly excited about assets on either side of the ball. Obviously, you trust Stefan Diggs. Um, you trust Josh Allen just because of the nature of of the players here. But outside of these two and and Garrett Wilson, of course, like who are they're your must starts. I'm not looking to really play any of these guys like Gabe Davis, not trusting him in my flex uh, with a 10 foot pole, Aaron Rodgers, If you drafted him as a late round quarterback, don't love that matchup. Like, um, you know, even last year for, in terms of, you know, fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position, despite the fact that they had these two key injuries ranked 29th in fantasy points per mm-hmm. game allowed to opposing quarterbacks. And I don't think that gets any, uh, any better this offseason with uh, a, a healthier secondary in general. I don't think this is going to be a warm welcome for him. Um, one of the most interesting storylines, though, and I don't think we can close out the show without discussing the New York Jets run game. And what are we projecting for the the balance here between Brees Hall and new New York Jet, Dalvin Cook? <laughs> Yeah, th- this is, I have no idea what to expect from these guys because all like the recent news for Brees Hall is that he looks good. He's playing fast. You watch him on hard knocks. He looks fast as hell out there and he could potentially get back to his old self. But Dalvin Cook is not somebody that is just going to sit on the sidelines and, and watch, right? They're going to get him involved in the game. So they paid him they, a lot of money. They did it, right? So it's 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 hard to kind of ignore that and and put Brees Hall in the lineup and just assume that we're going to get what we got from him last year before the injury. So I, I again, I think this is another one of those situations. And I, I know we've mentioned it before, but it's probably one of those ones that we're avoiding this week, if possible. I, even looking at the rankings now, Nate has Brees Hall RB 33, Dalvin Cook RB 34. So um, again, if we could afford to, you just kind of wait and see how the usage shakes out here so we have a better idea and then we could we can adjust from there going forward. But um, odds are, you know, you got Dalvin Cook a little bit later. You got guys that you could play ahead of him. Brees Hall, you pretty much had to pay up for a, a, for the most part. Um, he did get cheaper once the Dalvin Cook signing happened. So there, there's potential for other options uh, in your lineup this week. And look, Bill's defense too was very effective against the run last year. They tied for first in yards allowed before contact. So they're, they're able to get in the backfield early and often. And I think they should continue to do that against what's probably a below average uh, Jets offensive line. So I think it's pretty much Garrett Wilson for me. Alan Lazard may be potentially interesting against the Bills uh, corner too, which I think will be Christian Benford this week. So I think there's potential there for maybe somebody to emerge, but it's still not a great matchup for Aaron Rodgers in the passing game, right? No, uh, not touching that with a 10 foot pole. Um, this is going to be a, a good, a good game. It's going to be an entertaining game, but again, I could picture this being more of a defensive game. Like we are, I, I think hyping this, this game up because of the offenses, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to be the defenses of each of these teams that, that shines out a bit. And it, Oof, it, we could have a really, uh, a, I don't know. I, I want to say like disappointing game, but I, I don't sure. think it's going to be really disappointing. Cause I think we need to temper our expectations heading in um, and, and acknowledge the fact that these are two of the league's better defenses. These are two top 10 defenses, obviously a lot to like on each of their offenses respectively, but uh, you know, 
like we talked about with with several other other you know matchups like does the offense or the defense wins out like interdivisional game i could picture this being the defense winning out for both of these crews yeah yeah I, i'm definitely with you there i think that makes uh, makes a lot of sense and and can definitely see that happening but yeah that that's gonna do it for week one we we Ooh. got through the whole slate here we are week one baby yeah we're, we're we're closer to kickoff now than we were when we hit record so exciting times <laughs> indeed uh heading into week one um hope you all feel ready for the week ahead listen after listening to us go game by game here uh kate thank you so much for doing this with me again and, and helping the good folks get ready for the week ahead excited to be here everybody enjoy your week please and if you have any start sick questions be sure to to follow us on twitter and and ask them because we're we're here to help you out a lot of really really exciting content over on pro football focus a lot of really fantastic tools that i'm mm-hmm. so amped about like it, you know johnny mentioned several times like the the running you know the offensive line defensive line matchups um we have you know wide receiver quarterback matchup readings like so much is there to help you. You just got to go use it and and yeah. go check out all those resources over at pff.com. Definitely. Yeah, definitely check out all the tools. Definitely check out all of Kate's uh, articles and rankings this this week as well. And and as for me, I'll, I'll, I'll have my IDP rankings up as well. I'll write up the O-line, D-line matchups to target and avoid. That'll be coming out Friday morning. Um, and then we get into much more starting next week once the week one data is collected. So can't wait. Thank you all for listening. Um, Nate and I will be back on Sunday night, recapping the games live on the YouTube. So be sure to subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube channel to get the immediate takeaways and utilization data from week one. Until then, enjoy week one and peace out.